So good morning. Um, it's a good morning. Um, so a couple weeks ago, we started a, if you, many of you have been with us, if you're visiting for the first time, um, we've been in a sermon series called Heroes of the Faith. And basically, we committed six weeks after Easter to talk about individuals that we see in the Bible to view and study, to, to learn about their stories and their, the different characteristics and actions that they took that made them heroic as spiritual leaders for us. And then we're talking about how we don't want to just admire those things and talk about it and be like, wow, so-and-so is a great person. But we want to there and become like them and actually embody the things and the characteristics that they've had. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about Abraham. Last week, we talked about Nehemiah. And this week, as the third week, uh, and our third hero will be Daniel. And uh, just for time's sake, we're just going to jump straight in. We have a long passage to read. Uh, many of you are familiar with this passage of Daniel and the lion's den. Maybe you read it as a little child um, or uh, growing up in the church, or you read it at some point. But um, yeah, we're, we're just going to jump straight in. And uh, you can either pull out your Bible, uh, if you have a paper one, or on your phone, or you can read up on the screen with us. So Daniel chapter 6, we're going to read the whole story. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was, found, was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction, sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Now these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, there's a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. Then the king commanded that Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought 
laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let me set the stage. I know it was a long passage on what's going on. So basically, Persia is in charge now, and Darius is the king of the Persian Empire. And up until this point in history, there's never before been seen an empire so vast and so great. It's huge. They've conquered a lot of land, and they are the ones in charge. And just like any large country or government system like our own, in order to make things work, you need a lot of tiers of leaders. The government needs to have structure. So for us, we have, you know, the president and then leaders over the states and cities and towns just just to organize. And and Darius, realizing how big his empire has become, says we need to do the same thing. So he sets 120 satraps over the land who are overseers of provinces. So they just get a piece of land. Hey, you're in charge of this. Take care of it for me. And then above those 120, they have three high officials who are basically their supervisors. And Daniel, he has such great rapport with the king, he gets appointed as one of the three major leaders of the Persian Empire. Now, if we just keep, continue to go, okay, Daniel was a leader, we can just move on. But we need to pause for a moment to realize that that's very odd. It's not expected that Daniel should be in a place of leadership at all, let alone one of the three top officials. Because remember, he's a Jew in a Persian Empire. He's an exile if anything, he should have been uh, like a slave. He, should have, he could have been in jail. He could have been in a refugee camp or something of that equivalent. He doesn't belong as a leader. But something that Darius sees in the character of this man moves him to promote him over and over until the place where he wants to put him in charge of everything. And so that's where we enter the story. Daniel's promoted. He has all this great rapport with the king. And then the other satraps and officials are jealous they're angry. Who is this outsider that's taking one of our positions? How can he be my boss? And so they seek to take him down. And that's where we enter in verse 4. Then the high officials and satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, 
But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Now, let me just tell you, I mean, we're doing a series on heroes and there are not many verses that are are as exemplary and amazing and as heroic as these. And I just want to pause here and I want you all to look at the screen and read it again. Let's not move on quickly. This man is so faithful. His allegiance is so strong to the word of God that on a witch hunt, people can't dig up dirt on him. It's just, it's remarkable. Like, there's a smear campaign. They're like, hey, we're going to go out and take him down. We're going to find all the skeletons in his closet. We're going to take him down, and yet they can't find anything. So much so, like, look at the irony that his weakness, if I can even, like, quote-unquote weakness, is him following God so closely that they manipulate the law, saying this is the only way we're going to find ground for complaint against this man if we find it in connection with the law of his God. I hope you're already <laughs> inspired and just like, man, I hope to be like, like that one day. Fault cannot be found in him. The only way is to change the law, to manipulate it, to be in contrast with the Bible is the only way we're going to take him down. It's awesome. And this is my first observation that Daniel is a spiritual hero because he was faithful to the word of God. It was his number one allegiance. It's what he followed. It was the, it was the foundation of his life. That's, what, who, who, that's the man that he was, and that's what his life was about, being faithful to God's word. So in order to take Daniel down, we read in verses 6 through 9, the officials, the satraps, they manipulate Darius. Basically, they, they butter him up, and they're like, hey, like you're so awesome. You should just you know, make this law that makes it like basically that you are God, that no one is allowed to pray to any other God except to you. And he's, pride, he's, he's, he's prideful. And so he says, yeah, that's actually a really good idea. They put it into law that if anybody prays to a God other than this King Darius, that they will be executed, that they will be sentenced to death. And after that gets signed, he stamps it and seals it. It becomes a permanent, unchangeable law in Persia. We read in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. So I love the way that this sentence is structured in terms of the timestamp. Look at verse 10 again on the screen. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, comma, he goes and he prays. The law changes. He understands it. He hears that the law has been changed, that if he continues his practice, that means death for him, execution. He doesn't hide in a corner of his room, but he goes out to his upper chamber where it is open for the public to see, and he gets down on his knees three times a day, just as he had done previously, and he prays. Daniel is completely, completely uncompromising. He changes nothing in his pattern. And basically what he's saying is, okay, I will either continue to pray to the God that I love and follow, or I will die. And he says, I'm going to pray. He doesn't skip a beat. He chooses the death penalty and the risks of putting his life on the line in order to continue to be faithful and to continuously pray. 
And this is a second trait of Daniel that I find so heroic, that he's, he's a spiritual hero for us because he did not succumb to worldly and societal pressures, even at the risk of his own life. He's heroic in this way. And so Daniel doesn't bend, even at the risk of his own life. They can't find any dirt on him. They change the law, and Darius the king, reluctantly and with a turmoil in his heart, has no choice but to throw Daniel into the lion's den. The next morning, we find Darius in haste, the Bible says. So I imagine this guy, he can't sleep at night. It's the, the scripture said that he fasted, that no one could just like make him feel any better. And he just quickly goes to the den. He finds that Daniel is alive, and this is his response. In verse 23 and 25, Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. We skip to 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and language that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he's the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Now, if you are like me and you grew up in the church, when you hear Daniel and the lions, then you hear there's two characters. There's Daniel and then there's the lions. And that's basically what the children's Bible does, right? It's the cute fuzzy lions, but actually they, you know, they're vicious monsters. But there's Daniel and then there's a lions. But where that is very misled is no, the characters are Daniel and Darius. I want to take a very serious look at this man, this king. So remember, Daniel should not be liked. He should be hated. He should, he should be abused and just at the bottom of the social uh, uh, chain. But he gains the trust of this king, promoted by that king. And we find, in, we just read that, that the king starts to have affection for him. He cares for him as a brother. He's so troubled that, he, he, that the law convicted him, that he felt guilty. He couldn't sleep at night. He fasts. He even tells Daniel. He kind of prays almost to his king. In verse 16, may your God deliver you continuously. And the next morning, he runs to check. The lions don't harm him. And he completely changes. Darius is the second character in this story. Remember, in verse 7, his action as the king was to make much of himself. He got buttered up, but it was ultimately his choice. I'm going to be like God. Everyone in this whole world, in this empire, will pray to me. And if they don't, we will punish them by killing them. Look at, we read it, right? In verse 7, the king should establish an ordinance and enforce the injunction. Whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. This is not some humble man. This is a tyrant saying, we will crush you if you do not give the the praise and honor due to me. The story goes on. Daniel is a powerful witness in his life. And then look at the contrast of decree. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. He's a living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion. Now he's not talking about himself anymore. He's talking about God, Daniel's God. His dominion shall be to the end. He, Yahweh, the God of Daniel, delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. 
The, the contrast of decree in, in such small amount of time, we cannot overlook that detail. First, he's all about the glory of himself, and then he goes through this experience with this faithful witness in Daniel, and now the most powerful man in the largest empire history has ever seen is saying, that is the true God. Daniel is a spiritual hero because his faithfulness leads to others giving God praise. Worldly heroes get all the attention. We want, the, we want oh, like, can you be invited to this interview? Let's invite them on the talk show. Can we get a photo together? Can you have your autograph? And they get all the attention. But spiritual heroes like Daniel, they disappear from the attention. And then God gets the glory, the praise, the honor. Daniel is a spiritual hero for us, friends, to look at today. Because he's faithful in following God's word. The satraps couldn't even find any wrongdoing against him. And by the way, just so that we're not confused, this doesn't mean he was sinless. There was no one sinless on this earth but Jesus Christ himself. But he was so faithful. It was his allegiance. His greatest call was to follow God's word. And these men could not find any wrong. Daniel did not bend to the pressures of society and the world, even the law, if it would meant contrasting with God's word. He was uncompromising. And thirdly, Daniel's faithfulness and witness, it didn't bring him more praise. It didn't bring him more attention. It just pushed it all up into God. His witness made God receive more glory and honor. Last week, Pastor Bill in his sermon mentioned how we have a process when looking at heroes. The first step in the process is to be inspired. They're heroes. We're like, oh, wow, we admire them. We talk about them. We're like, oh, get, sometimes we get fuzzy feelings, and oh, we, we, you know, we really enjoy them. But then the second that comes after that is, oh, but I could never be like that. That person's awesome, but that's definitely not me. And I have to admit, when he said that last week, I, and even as I was preparing this message at home in my office and typing about Daniel, I was like, wow, I have the same name, but I ain't anything like this guy. That's pretty much the only thing that we have in common. And I got rebuked by myself because I'm the one who came up with this sermon series. I pitched it to Pastor Bill and Pastor Ojan. Hey, let's do this series about heroes because we always think that they're over there and we're over here, but we need to be just like them. And then I was like, oh, I'm not like Daniel. It's like, oh, man, you can't do that. So I was wondering. I was like, wait, you're leading this crap. You can't do that. And so I'm like, oh, so why, why do I feel that way? So I agreed. Pastor Bill said that, and I was just like that. And I wondered why. I know that's not true. I know it. I hope you guys do. It's not true that we're not like them. It's a lie. But why do I feel that way? And so I did some digging around my heart and my mind. Why do I keep thinking that I can't be like Daniel when I definitely can't be like him? And I think what was my stumbling block is that we always think of it in this fantastical, right? So if I'm going to compare myself with Daniel, like, it's all this drama in the story. There's these vicious lions, like kings and empires and glory and, being, and people out to get you and these leaders in high positions, like, manipulating the law and doing all this stuff. And all, a lot of the biblical figures have all this kind of fantastical. And if I expect my life to be in that realm, of course I'm setting myself up for failure. And then I'm going to think that I don't compare, But if we were to just look at Daniel's deeds, there actually isn't any daring, any fantastical. There's no point where he runs into the burning building and throws the people on his shoulders and runs out with dust all over his face. 
There's never any point where he does something like jumping in front of a car and pushing the baby stroller out of the way or taking a bullet for somebody. If I were to put on the slides and just cover and just like delete all the verses that don't have to do with what he says or what he does, it's actually hyper-ordinary. He goes, hey, king, God save me. And then the law hap- and, and before that, the law happens. All he does is walk to his room that he always does. He just gets down and he prays. He doesn't do anything out of the ordinary. He just continues with the everyday faithfulness in his life. And we definitely have opportunities every day in the ordinary of our lives to be faithful and to be heroic, just like Daniel. Let me give you an example. This past year, I know we all feel it. This is why I'm going to use this example. This country is just like, come on, right? Like, we've just been in a constant state of battle, um, just hostility and just, you know, people at odds. And it's not getting any better. There's an ever-increasing divide and gap in this country. And that's not, it's not new, right? Like, arguing in politics, debating, um, obviously the existence of political parties, that's not new. What I'm heavily burdened by and what I feel like is different and kind of new is how politics were once, and the differences on our political views was once reason to debate, but today, our political differences are reason to demonize. Our political differences are reason to hate, to blame, to finger point, to discredit each other. It's like every day a new, a new story pops up on the news, and it just keeps getting worse, right? Like the school shooting that happened, and it's like, Who's going to be the fastest news outlet or Twitter post or whatever to politicize that story and then blame the other party for politicizing the story? And how are we going to race to discredit each other? And there has been many things, I'm sure you guys are with me in the boat, that are disheartening. But to me, what tops the list of disheartening things in our political climate is how it seems like Christians are almost indistinguishable from our neighbors in this. It's a war. It's a battle of slander, demonizing, mocking, berating, anger-filled judging and finger-pointing. And although the church should be so set apart, it seems like Christians, we we, we just pick up our pitchforks and torches and knives too. And instead of being distinct and set apart, We just have chosen a side. I think as Christians, we've we've fought, we've judged, we've been a part of the demonizing. But in Matthew 5, 9, we all know, Jesus says in the Beatitudes, "Blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The peacemakers. When we look at Daniel's heroics, right, in the everyday examples, it was his commitment to following God's word. It was him not being swayed by the society or the climate of his, of his place, even the law. It was his witness that led praise to God. In this story, read it again when you get home tonight. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't go out of his way. He just is heroic in the ordinary faithful callings of his life. And I'm not making this a political sermon. It's not, but it's just an example. Let me show you how we can take Daniel and put it into our exact situation with these questions. Is your ultimate allegiance, is your passionate 
allegiance, faithfulness to a political party or to God's word? We can answer that. Are the tides and the societal pressures of the world changing your convictions and the way that you act? Are you swayed to more anger and hatred of other people because social media and biased news outlets do a good job at swaying you? Is your conduct acting as a witness to the world that are leading people to praise God? Or are they just seeing you as one of them? The way Christians are different and set apart, the way that we will be able to call ourselves spiritual heroes, the way that we will shine is not in the fantastical. We don't need satraps and high officials out to get us or the threat of death and execution of a lion's den. We can be heroic like Daniel in our everyday choices, in the current place that God puts us in. We have the ability to be just like him. And maybe for you, it's not the political thing. Yeah, it's a good illustration. It doesn't work for me. I kind of stay out of it. I'm neutral. Well, we can apply it to anything. What about our relationships? The way that we treat people, whether it be our roommates, our friends, coworkers, bosses, our, 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 our significant others, our romantic relationships, whether you're a spouse or girlfriend or, or fiance. Is the way that you treat them in accordance to God's word and your faithfulness to God's word, do they experience that? Are you swayed by outward stresses and pressures and does that affect and change the way that you treat each other? Does your mom, dad, sibling, boyfriend, husband, spouse, coworker, boss, do they see something different in you? Do they give God praise like Darius did because of Daniel? What about work, school? We all have the opportunity to be spiritual heroes every single day in our workplaces and our schools. Do we work or study in a way that is according to God's word, with excellence, doing it into the glory of God, working hard, earning our wages with faithfulness, studying and honoring God with the great opportunity of higher education that he gave us? Are you swayed by the societal pressures, maybe office culture, do you need to join in on the, on the water cooler talk or feel like you're, you're going to be too outcasted or different unless you join into office culture or campus temptations? Is the way that everyone acts on campus something that you feel swayed to enter into or are you able to not be affected by that in the way that Daniel? Are your classmates, spouses, coworkers seeing that there's something different in this witness? in the way that you live your life. We all have ordinary and daily opportunities to be heroes like Daniel. We are those heroes, friends. Join me in the party. Let's stop saying that can't be me. It is you. It is me. Let's be those heroes. In order for us to be fully transformed into the spiritual heroes that God calls us to be, in order for us to make great impact on this world and to make a difference in the name of Jesus, we need more than just a hero in Daniel. We need more than just an inspiration in Abraham and Nehemiah and Daniel. We need a savior in Jesus. Daniel is an admirable hero for us to look up to, but it is Jesus Christ that we look to for our hope, our strength, our purpose. When we look at Daniel and Jesus, they actually have pretty similar roads and parallels. 
Daniel, he gets sent to execution because of hateful people who manipulate the law, who are out to get him and try to stumble him. They get placed into a tomb and a, roll, a stone gets rolled over the entrance. Jesus, likewise, we know, got sent to execution by a bunch of hateful people who manipulated the law, who were out to get him. They are trying to find a way to get him to stumble. But this time, he actually does get executed and dies, and a stone is placed over his tomb. The great difference is Jesus did die. And the great difference is that three days later in the morning when the visitors went to the tomb, the stone was rolled away and he was risen. He conquered death. And now we are like full recipients of the grace of God because Jesus put an end to sin and to death. And it has no power over any of us. And the grace of God gives us this life and salvation. And we receive it. But then it commissions us to go. So now the grace of God and the reality of the cross that we sang is the reason I'm alive. It's the reason that we have salvation. It's the reason why we can experience grace. But now it's also the reason for your commission to go and to be a hero for as long as you live on this earth. Daniel is our inspiring hero, but Jesus is our hope. He's our strength. He is our purpose. He is our king. Because of Jesus and by the strength of Jesus, we too in the ordinary things in our lives can grow to be faithful to his word, to hold fast onto him and to not let the world sway us and for our witness to lead to people giving him praise. Don't believe the lie that you can't be the hero because you are. It's because Jesus, you can, it's because of Jesus, you like Daniel can be a spiritual hero. It's because of Jesus we are commissioned to go and be a spiritual hero. And it's for the glory of Jesus. I want to invite us all to joyfully obey. Let's bow and pray together. Let's offer our lives up to the Lord now. God, we thank you for heroes like Daniel. We thank you for their example. We thank you for their character, for their actions. We thank you that we have brothers and sisters of the faith who have gone before us that we can look to and be inspired by. But above him and above any earthly person, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, our hope, our everything. And so by the power of Jesus' blood, by the grace and the salvation that we receive, by the justification and the sanctification work that you do in us, we commit ourselves, we open up our hearts, and we desire to be a spiritual hero like our brother Daniel was. Jesus, would you strengthen us? Would you move in us? Would you grow us? Would you do the work that we ourselves are unable to do? Would you keep us humble? But would you also keep us hungry and passionate and eager to be faithful to your word, to be unswayed by the pressures of this world, and to be a witness that makes other people give you all the attention and praise? Jesus, we love you. We want this message and all the other ones to build us up into spiritual heroes so that you will be more adored and worshipped in this world in our lifetime if we have any participation in that, God. We want our lives to matter, not because we succeeded in our careers, not because we made lots of money, not because we had a huge family. We want each and every day of this life that you give us to matter because it led to more worship to Jesus Christ and to the glorification of his name. 
So we open ourselves. We humbly submit ourselves before you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.